Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. We could use the lion showing up right about now, amen? Okay. What a great song. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Nicole, for taking me back to my mama's kitchen when I was a little boy. Felt like I was listening to Loretta Lynn right there. Yes, I am that old. (laughs) Welcome back to our series called The Lion Revealed, a verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation. As we draw to a close, to the end of of the time, in this amazing book, there's a noticeable buildup. There's a crescendo uh, coming. We can sense it. Uh, we are about to see the end of things on earth. And we're about to see the conquering king show up and right every wrong. And we're about to be introduced to our forever home, referred to in our Bibles as eternal life. In chapter 17 today, you can make your way over there, chapter 17, we will see the collapse of the false state-run religion at the halfway point of the tribulation. And in chapter 18, we will witness the complete collapse of the political and financial institutions on earth at the end of the tribulation. This, in effect, guts Satan's power over the earth But he still has one last card that he wants to play before he's taken out. And we will see that in the next week we meet. The harlot in our story today is the conglomeration of all the world religions that have partnered with the beast. You remember that uh, God has called us, Jesus has called his church home. If you're a believer in Christ... Uh, you're going to be raptured out before the tribulation. That is what I believe. That's what I believe that the Word teaches. I know there are others that believe differently. I believe we are pre-tribulation saints, and we will be called out and called home. And like John, we will get to witness these things that we've been studying all these past months as we've made our way through Revelation. Throughout history, there has always been religions working with dictators and other powerful influencers, and we get a front row seat here in Revelation to the final one's collapse when the Antichrist double-crosses the false religion of the day. As John writes the book we've been reading, there are two more judgments from God that are about to take place. If you'd like to take notes, I encourage you to do so on the back of your bulletins. You can follow along and fill in the blanks. Here's judgment number one. We see the harlot church is taken out. The harlot church is taken out. You may remember that the true church, Jesus Christ, is removed just before the tribulation begins. Those left unite under the authority of the beast, and they are called the harlot, the harlot church. It's a a conglomeration of churches that come together to unite as the new world religion. In their blindness, they persecute tribulation saints, 
those coming to Christ during the seven years of tribulation, and there will be many. Let's begin by reading chapter 17, verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, we talked about them last week, we saw the seven angels pour out seven bowls of wrath on the earth. So one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls come and came and talked with John, saying to, me, to, to John, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The term harlot is used four times in this chapter to reference the religious system that is in place at this time on earth. This church, and I use the term very loosely, has prostituted herself and her sin has been shared with the most powerful elites of the world as she is found in bed, so to speak, with the rulers of this world. The priority of this false religion is power, but it comes to her at a very high price. Verse 3 so he, this angel, carried me away, John's still speaking, in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Uh, by now we should be familiar with these uh, seven heads and ten horns, but we'll, I'll remind you a little bit later on who they are. Verse 4, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written. Here's the name. Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Wow, what a name. This church is just full of abominations. She is traded in any faith that she might have had for power, and God sees this. The name Babylon comes from the name Babel, which originally meant the gate of God, but after these disobedient people attempted to disobey God by building the Tower of Babel, you may be familiar with that story. They attempted to reach God's presence by building this tower, even though God told them not to. God curses them by causing many different languages to be put into place, and the builders were confused, and they were divided, and they were scattered among the earth. This is how we got all the different nations going forward. From Babylon on in human history, her babbling blasphemies that have come out of that nation are even present today, and they've been passed down from one nation to another, and she has polluted the people of the earth as they have persecuted Christians throughout the ages. I saw the woman, verse 6, drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, 
which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was, is not, and yet is. And we talked a little bit about this. The beast is, uh, is executed, killed at some point during the, all of this, and yet uh, God allows Satan to reanimate the beast. He comes back to life, and all the nations marvel. This, uh, that's when they, they revere the Antichrist because he cheated death, and no one's ever done that in their opinion. So verse 9, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains, uh, also translated hills, on which the woman sits. The seven heads are seven kingdoms in, the world, in world history. But the seven mountains or hills may also refer to where this final world religion is headquartered. For almost two dozen centuries, writers have referred to Rome being the city that's surrounded by these seven hills. John would have recognized the parallel immediately between Babylon of Old Testament and the ruling powerhouse in Rome of his day. Rome in Babylon-like style was full of false religions, lascivious worldly living, and persecutors of God's people. He knew this. He had witnessed it. He himself fell victim many times to their persecution. He ends up on the Isle of Patmos writing this very letter that we're reading. He understands the persecution that came out of Rome. Modern-day Rome, of course, is host to one of the largest global religions established some 1,431 years ago. However, I believe there are many religions. I believe all the false religions come together as one big conglomerate to become the world religion at that point. Verse 10, there are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. That's a mouthful. Let's, let's try to break that down. Early on, the beast rises out of the original seven kings or seven nations, is then assassinated and then comes back to life and power and then becomes the eighth king that rules over all the other seven nations here. And I know even that's a mouthful. Uh, the, the beast comes out of the seven nations, original nations, and then he becomes a ruler of one of those seven. And eventually when he's killed, he's replaced, of course, because they have to have seven. And then he comes back, though, to life. He becomes the eighth, and he rules all seven, because all seven are standing in amazement that this has happened. As John watches, five of these seven nations are no longer alive uh, around the time of 95 AD when he's writing this letter. One is still present as he, at his writing, and one is in the future, and it's yet to come. So if this is all correct, 
then the five that are no longer world powers are Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece. They all had their run in human history, but they are no longer the powerhouses in the world. One is alive at John's timing. And of course, that's Rome. Rome is persecuting, and uh, persecuting him in particular at his writing. So the one that's, that still is, or is, it, is at his time, is Rome. And then this future kingdom is the kingdom that Antichrist sets up at the very end during the seven years of tribulation. So those are the seven. And the eighth ruler is, is he, the, the Antichrist, who, who it now rules over these seven kingdoms. The reference to the ten kings are future rulers who will come into power and then submit that power to Antichrist, assuring his dominance in the world in something akin to the United States of Europe. He'll, he'll bring all these, these countries together and he will dominate them and rule them. All throughout history, the ruling state power has attached itself to the primary religion and used its power to gain control of the people. And then, once it has control of the people, it dominates or crushes the religion after it's sucked out its power and used it to gain power for itself. So we're talking the political system, economic system is under the political, and it uses churches, religions, to gain power, and then once it has it, it kind of tends to turn, its, uh, turn around and attack the religion. This is exactly what's ha what happens during the tribulation. Jesus' church has thrived when it remained separate from the rule of kings, presidents, and the power brokers. It's where our nation was founded. We had the pilgrims come over here. They were tired of this tyrant king. They wanted to worship God alone. And they didn't want the king getting involved in it. And so they came here and founded America. And I'm tempted to talk about that right now, but that, I'm going to save that for J July 4th. Okay. So Jesus' church has thrived when it remains separate. More about that in a minute. Verse 12. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. So that one hour is a very short time. They rise up, they're kings for a very short time, and then we'll see what happens at the end. These are of one mind, these ten kings, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. They will yield their power. This is how he becomes so powerful. Verse 14, these that we just talked about, these 10 kings and, and Antichrist, will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. And if you're a follower of Christ, your name is chosen and faithful. Let it be so when he comes and returns suddenly. May we be found faithful followers of him doing what he told us to do. Verse 15, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Almost every nation has a shore, has a water. And they're referred to as these nations are referred to as the waters. 
This world religion is rooted in almost every country and every language. Verse 16, and the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Now the ten horns represent power. The horns in the Bible have always uh, been referred to as power. So these ten people who are not kings, yet they're power brokers, they're behind the scenes making things happen. And we all know some of their names. You see them occasionally make it into the news. These are the people behind the presidents making things happen in countries, behind the kings. They're getting their way. They're, they're uh, buying their way through. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast are going to turn on the church and attack her. Verse 17, For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill His purpose, to be of one mind, and to the king, and, and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. This world religion attempts to remain autonomous and to hold on to the power that she has, but these ten leaders are completely sold out to Antichrist. And once they have power, they, uh, need, uh, the power that they need from this religion, they no longer need the church, and they turn on her, and they destroy her. This harlot religion will fool the masses into believing she's of God, but in the end, she will be exposed for her treachery. Paul warns us in 1 Timothy 4 that deceiving spirits will come and fool many unsuspecting seekers and even new believers for a time, if possible. In 2 Timothy 3, 5, Paul warns us that many will come having a form of godliness. They will, they will appear to be godly, but denying its power. The Holy Spirit is not behind their religion. And from such people, turn away. Don't follow them. Don't read about them. Don't read their books. Stay away from them because they are of the Lord of this world. The apostle goes on to warn Timothy and us that these wolves will attempt to bring in false doctrines that scratch the itch of undiscerning believers and churches. They say what the people and the masses want to hear instead of the truth of God's Word, which is at times very hard to hear. They won't preach those things. They drive around them. And this is why we need to know the truth that's found in God's Word so that we can recognize the counterfeit. Now, I can tell you, when I was a cop, I went in the academy. They taught us about counterfeit bills, and I mean, along with the other thousands of things. But I can remember the class on counterfeit bills. They brought some in. And uh, I was interested in that. Man, they looked so good. How do you tell the difference? Uh, the hundreds are the number one bill counterfeited. And, but how do you tell the difference? And the teacher said this. It's easy. You can't know all the, the, the nuances of these people printing these bills because there's, there's thousands upon thousands of doing it. So what we do is we study the true $100 bill. We become so familiar with it that when you hand us a counterfeit, immediately we may not know what is wrong with it, but we know something is wrong with it. We know that it is a counterfeit. I, something's wrong with this because it doesn't look like the original that I'm so familiar with. 
Well, as believers, we ought to be so familiar with God's Word that when somebody comes in, whether to this church or whether to your life or knocks on your door at home and wants to give you or sell you something that they say is, is better and more pure, right away you go, no, 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 wait a minute. This is not what God's Word says. You may not be able to describe what's wrong with what they're saying, but you will, the Holy Spirit will go shut the door. Don't listen to this. Don't listen to this. And from such people, remove yourself, turn away. Many churches today are being deceived and pressured into this popular teaching of, uh, of woke pastors seeking to become popular both inside and outside of their venues in order to reach this rock star status that somehow they've decided that the pastors are supposed to have. I don't find this in the Bible at all. Look out if a pastor starts wearing skinny jeans, shiny shirts, and weird hair. That's my opinion of me. It's not found in the Word of God. I'm telling you, it's just something that pops up and, and concerns me at times, late night television, as I'm cruising through. Ooh, something's not right about this guy. Look at his hair. I'm joking about that much. <laughs> so stay in your Bibles, remain on your knees, and seek the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul. Amen? Yes. And don't let anybody rob from you what, what God has already given to you. Don't let them come in and destroy the work that he wants to do and is, has done in your life. Because, listen, friends, we're sailing into some rough waters, some rough, uncharted waters, how close do we get to the tribulation before uh, God pulls us out in the rapture? What happens to, how bad is the world before we get, I wish I knew, I wish I could answer that question. We don't know. All, I, all we know is that we've got to stay close in the word and, and faithful to what God has told us to do. If you do those two things, when he shows up, you'll be found faithful workers, well done, good and faithful servants will be the words that you want to hear and will hear. So we've seen judgment number one. The harlot church is taken out. Now let's look at judgment number two. Babylon is taken out. Babylon is taken out. Remember, ba Babylon represents the worldwide economic and political system from which the entire planet is ruled by the beast, Antichrist. Babylon. Letter A, you hear the announcement of guilt. The announcement of guilt. The angel is announcing this. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. This is verse 1. I'm sorry, verse 1. We've moved on to the next chapter. Um, and he has great authority. And the earth was illuminated with his glory. This angel it has an illumination, this light uh, that reflects upon all of the earth. Remember, this angel just left heaven in the presence of God himself. You remember when Moses would spend time with God up on the mountain and come back, and they'd go, Moses, put something over your face. It's so bright. It's the glory of God when he spent time with God. And this angel comes right out of heaven to make uh, an announcement, and he is shining bright. Even in the midst of this wickedness, God's glory shines throughout the world. 
Verse 2, and he, the angel, cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. While heaven is the inhabitants of God, Babylon and those that follow it is the inhabitants of Satan and his followers. If this geographical center is literally Rome, and I believe it is, this will be an evil and satanic city and region at this point, the likes the world has never seen. Verse 3, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her to get rich. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Each nation will have monetary ties to the world system and will have sold themselves out to her enticing riches and power that she provides and abundant luxuries at the expense of the poor. Christians during this time will need to be very wary of getting caught up in the various hidden tentacles of the beast and they will go throughout the world and they will sound like really good investments and really good decisions. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.